You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited. Today, I'm having a conversation with the general manager at my absolute favorite farm to table. If you guys have followed me on social media, you know that Nick and I absolutely love this local farm to table here in the Finger Lakes. And today, I sat down with her and we had an amazing conversation on farm to table sourcing, how you can start eating more farm to table, things that you want to think about when looking at local farms and even things that you might want to look at when treating yourself to eat out to maybe a local farm to table in your area or if you're traveling. I know the first thing I always do is local farm to tables in whatever area I'm in. So things that you can think about. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. We get into a lot of really good tips about food, beverage, mocktails, all the things. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you're local or ever traveling to the Finger Lakes, Kindred Fair is a must on your places to visit. So without further ado, enjoy the episode that I did with Ashley Coleman. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. I am so, so, so excited to get you on the podcast. If you guys ever see us go out to dinner we are probably at the farm to table that Ashley is the GM at, which is Kindred Fair in the Finger Lakes. And so when we were at New Year's dinner, Nick and I were talking and I was like, oh my God, how have I not had Ashley on the podcast to talk about seasonal eating, farm to table eating. And so now I'm just so excited to have you here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Haley. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am too. So Kind of introduce yourself, talk a little bit about um, what your journeys looked like, whether health and wellness, uh, professional wise for you, obviously kind of, you know, being a GM for a farm to table, what has all of that looked like for you and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, um, absolutely. My very first job, I was 15, um, was in a restaurant as a busser. Um, I quickly kind of rose the ranks there and did some hosting and some food running. And then when I turned 18, they taught me to serve and bartend. Um, It was a small family-owned restaurant in Brewerton, New York, which is north of here, even more upstate than the Finger Lakes. Um, And it's funny because when I was thinking about this, um, it is very much not farm to table. (laughs) It was like old school Italian. Um, And, you know, I worked there for years and my mom really was like, you know, when I was graduating high school and things like that, I was like, I'm going to go into business. And you're like, you know, what even is that? Like everyone says they're going to go into business. But my mom saw, you know, how I interacted serving and really loving working with people. Um, And she was like, you need to go into hospitality. Um, But my mom is really what got me started on my health and wellness journey. Um, She's been gluten free for as long as I can remember. Um, That was like woo woo, you know, and people like we would go out to eat and I'd be embarrassed because, you know, the servers didn't even know what gluten was. Um, (laughs) So she's like trying to explain to them. And like, it was so difficult for her to go out to eat um, and things like that. And like, I don't know, like I remember growing up, like, 
you know, my, my packed lunches were like wheat bread and like real meat and things like that. And she would always cook from scratch and she's like a really good cook. So I was spoiled. Um, but I would go to school and like the kids would have like their white bread and Nutella. And like, I didn't even know what Nutella tasted like till I was like in my twenties. Like I grew up in a household (laughs) full of like, you know, good, like whole foods, no hydrogenated oils were allowed, um, things like that. So she really kind of, you know, we all thought she was woo-woo back then. Um, but as I got older, I started to become more conscious and learn um, and find, you know, we found a lot of resources, you know, as that became kind of more of a trend in the world today. Um, so, you know, when I started working at Kindred Fair a couple of years ago, being a farm to table restaurant, our fryers are completely gluten free, which is like unheard of in a restaurant, you know. It's, it's a relief for my mom to have a place to go out to eat where she doesn't have to explain herself, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's really how I got started on it. And then with resources like your podcast, um, and, you know, I have a best friend who's a naturopathic doctor, um, a couple friends who are chiropractors and acupuncturists. Um, that's what really, you know, got me to keep pushing forward on that journey. That's awesome. Did you ever struggle with like any health? I don't want to say challenges, but like any any kind of like typical things where you're like, okay, I know that this isn't normal, but I don't know why I'm experiencing it. Or were you kind of lucky because you didn't, you weren't really exposed to like the standard American diet that you didn't really have as many of those things? Um, yeah, I, when I was younger, I mean, as soon as I was able to start like buying my own food and like my own face wash, like when I was 15 and got my job and, you know, 16 and got my car and I was able to do those things I did. And I really splurged. Um, and I mean, I've always been a big eater and not really afraid of any foods, which has been good. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely like binged hard on the junk food for a little bit, you know, because I never had it growing up and now I had access to it. You know, my mom wasn't yelling at me for what I ate. Um, and I developed, which we just thought was like cystic acne. Like it was horrible, horrible skin rashes, like almost like hives. And I saw like dermatologists for years was doing face peels. They wanted to put me on, you know, prescription medications. Um, it came to the point where I thought they were going to put me on Accutane. And like, I changed up my diet and, and like, really what we found out was like, we thought was a chocolate allergy. Um, but now, you know, that was when I was like 15, when it really was bad. Um, and at the age of 25, I got all my allergy testing done again. And they're like, you're not allergic to chocolate. And I think I was just like overdoing it on those like hyper processed, like it was Kit Kat bars for me. Yeah. I would hide them under my bed, um, like at Halloween time and like eat three of them on the bus on the way to school. Um, so that was one thing I definitely struggled with. And I've always been like small as far as like my weight goes overall in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of things, but I definitely struggled with like inflammation. Um, And we always say like, just because someone's skinny doesn't mean they don't have like a ton of gut problems going on inside. Um, So that was something like, as I got older and realized, you know, what those foods were doing to my body. Um, And actually right now I'm on like day seven of a whole 30, which I try to do like once a year. Um, And it's amazing. Like in just the first week, all the changes you see when you cut all that crap out of your diet and it's in everything. So you really have to pay attention to it. It is. Um, It is. And it's so crazy. Yesterday I was talking with someone I was working with and she had like a lot of just, I I think like microbiome issues um, and like recurrent UTIs and things like that. And like she cut alcohol and really just stuck to like mainly whole foods. And she's like, I haven't had any pain in my kidneys or any infections or anything 
since I've done that. And I was like, she's like, I just didn't think it would happen that fast. I'm like, it doesn't always happen that fast, but it just goes to show the the effect that some of those things can have on us that we don't even realize until we don't have it anymore. And then we're like, wow, I feel so good. Yeah. I, I actually feel bad for people who have to really like stick in it for the long haul to see those changes, because mm-hmm. I think I've been very lucky in that regard is like when I make a switch, I mean, it's not perfect right away, but I really notice a difference like right away when yeah. I start those changes. And I think that's one thing that really, especially when we were on our health journey, that really drew us to, okay, if we want to, you know, have a fun date night, we want to go out. I, you know, my parents are in town. I want to take them somewhere good. You know, when you start feeling good and I say, I said this the other day, I want to like make a post on it, but like nothing feels as good as healthy feels like when you feel healthy and when you feel good, you don't want to go and ruin it. And every, that looks different for everybody. Sometimes, you know, having that crappy slice of pizza. And I, when I say crappy, I mean, like if I'm going to splurge, I want like wood fire, like the good stuff, not just like a Papa John's pizza, but whatever, if it's worth it too, great. But when we were on our health journey and we're like, you know, we're feeling so good during the week, we want to go out for a date night. We don't want to feel like crap. That's obviously kind of what drew us to having better ingredients and, you know, finding places like a farm to table, because I like every time I eat there, I never feel crappy. I mean, yeah, feel I feel good. the same. I mean, I eat there almost every night. <laughs> and even <laughs> so jealous. And even being um like doing my whole 30, you know, there's a couple things like you're restricting yourself, like no dairy, no grains, you know, you definitely stay away from any of the bad oils. I was surprised how much I really didn't have to modify some of the things I wanted to eat. I'm always like asking my chef, like double checking, you know, did anybody use this type of oil in this ingredient, you know, in this dish today? And I'm surprised even sometimes that even being so restrictive, how many things I can still eat from the restaurant. I think that's what people don't realize is like, even whether it's Whole30 or even just, I mean, Whole30 is definitely a more restrictive because like you mm-hmm. can't have certain whole foods that otherwise you could have under kind of the whole foods category. But like mm-hmm. even say like gluten-free, there's, you can have pretty much everything except for uh, wheat and gluten. Like you can have rice, you can have beans, you can have any whole food, protein, dairy, veggie like you could the options really are limitless that I feel like we put ourselves in the little boxes and we're like oh my gosh it's gonna be so restrictive and it's like not not even really no yeah I agree with you and Um, I think we're lucky you know at the restaurant where we have that as an option for pretty much every dish except for like our homemade pasta yeah do you guys do a gluten-free homemade pasta um it's not homemade but we do have a gluten-free penne that is available to swap okay i didn't think yeah i thought it was something like that but i I mean everything else we could get there same with the gluten-free buns um but because we're scratch kitchen you know everything's made from scratch yep um those types of things to incorporate that at the moment would be like pretty laborious and time consuming um but it's not to say we won't get there someday yeah i mean especially with i feel like every time we go there you guys are so busy we're the we're the, um, I don't know what you call it. My mother-in-law calls it something, the gray hair crowd. We're there at like five o'clock. So like, I don't know. And when we're leaving, we're like, whoa, this place gets so busy. Cause that's mainly one of the only times when I decide we're going to come in. That's the only time you guys have available. Cause you're so busy. Um, so, okay. When you, when you came to Kindred Fair, what were some of the things that drew you to Kindred Fair over other things that you had done? Cause you had been in food and bed for so long. Yeah. Um, I mean, throughout college, I was um, went to school out in Buffalo for hospitality with a focus on wine. Um, oh so when I you know, moved to the Finger Lakes um, just one summer doing an internship here, I thought like, I'm going to live here, work here. I'm going to live and breathe wine. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and I spent about six years doing that in the wineries here. 
um, really great experience. And I was just going to work at Kindred Fair as like a third job. Like I always like to keep a foot in the restaurant industry. I, I like the pace of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good switch up from, you know, explaining to people about wine all day. Um, people want to come and eat. They don't really want to talk to you. They just want to enjoy themselves. Um, so what really drew me is the staff. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if you, I'm sure you follow us on social media. Oh, yeah. Like it just, it just looks you know, inclusive and it's like a judgment-free zone. And like the people there are like vibrant. Very like, like I've never met one server that wasn't like, I think that's really honestly one of the things is like you go there and you're just like, they will, they want to make sure you're enjoying everything. Like they are the nicest people that I've ever met. And like, I, we've had tons of different servers there. Like, and it's, it's just, I think that's one of the most important things. Cause think about how annoying it is. You go out to eat, you know, you're finally trying to do something where you don't have to cook and you can relax and your server, I don't know, isn't attentive to you. They feel like you're just like another person on their list or what. I mean, I think the community aspect, even just of like the farm to table is really, really refreshing for me. Yeah. And I mean, community is what brought me to the Finger Lakes, Haley. Like I loved the camaraderie between the wineries and how everyone's kind of working together um, to help the region thrive. Because, you know, if one restaurant is successful, that's not going to help everyone else. It's, you know, helping all the small businesses. It's helping, you know, all the small farmers and like making it our community sustainable and like drawing people to the area to enjoy all of what the Finger Lakes has to offer, not just the wineries, not just the restaurants. Um, so that was definitely, you know, our the owner, Susie Atvel, um, at the restaurant, she's just like, I mean, they always say you want to work for someone who you want to be. And I've like looked at her for years, like throughout the industry. And she's been on a couple of different podcasts and things like that. Um, and I'm like, that's who I want to be. I mean, she has like timeless beauty mm. and like she's just calm and like centered and just um, really cares about people. I mean, she really wants to promote like a work life balance. And to me, that's like, one of the most important pillars of health. Um, So if you're thinking about, you know, eliminating stress and like living a balanced life, um, you know, everybody's like first priority, it tends to be these days is work. And you really can't do that if you're not like, okay with yourself, like physically. And I mean, more importantly, mentally, I think, I think those two really feed off of each other. Like you're not doing well physically, if you're not mentally healthy, and vice versa, like, you know, if you're feeling physically healthy, you're more like, apt to do things that, you know, make you feel good mentally as well. Um, so yeah, just definitely the staff and the atmosphere. And I mean, I loved, I loved the idea, um, and coming, you know, from the background with my mom, like I said, specifically, like my dad and my sister and I kind of all eat whatever, but every time we went out to eat, I just felt like she wasn't really enjoying herself as much as she could be, Mm -hmm. um, because she didn't have as many options or, you know, she would be you know, limited in what she could eat that was gluten-free or not. And she's always been big on like what type of oils and little to no sugar. And if it's sugar, it might as well just be the real stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. she's like anti-chemical. So I just like was excited to be a part of a place that like has kind of this mission behind it Um, and working, you know, sustainably with local farmers. And that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Is how, what is the process of, you know, crafting the menu and establishing relationships with local farmers? What does that look like? Because obviously I know you guys have main staples on your menu that are pretty much there all year because they can be sourced, but then there's obviously seasonal things. Like I saw one of the prefixes yesterday was like an acorn squash bisque or, you know, certain different things that are seasonal. So what does that look like? What is the 
what is the process that goes into that? What is your relationship with local farms? Do you ask, what are kind of like questions that you vet? What does all that look like? Yeah, um, this is primarily the role of our executive chef, uh, Max Spittler, but I did chat with him a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what goes through his head. And he said, like, first and foremost, it's like reverse engineering. You're going to start with the ingredients that are available that you can get consistently. um, And those are the types of things that he will then build a dish off of. Um, And I think that that's just like a great tip for people to use at home too. Like you want to make great healthy food. We'll start with what's available Mm -hmm. and then decide like, okay, these are the six ingredients I can get. Now, you know, there's a hundred recipes out there for what you can do with these types of things. Um, And so for him, that's what he starts with. Um, And throughout COVID and things like that with supplier issues, that became even more challenging. Um, And I think we were just very lucky to be working with, you know, local people. Um, He's had a network there for a number of years of different farmers that he's worked with um, and different vendors. Um, And there's a couple like farm collectives, like there's even a new one called Finger Lakes Farm Fresh that is really hitting like really small farms and like creating this collective where they can then take their products and then distribute them to restaurants. Um, Bedient Farms is another one we um, used to use, which I think is transferring into Finger Lakes Farm Fresh. That's so funny. That's so that's where we get all of our meat. That's where we get our cow. That's where we get everything. And I was at the farmer's market picking up from them last week. And they deliver all the way out to restaurants in Chai Lai and Rochester. I mean, it's just so cool to see this little farm that I went to and, you know, saw their cows grazing and saw like this, I mean, it's this little family operation and they're just doing, I mean, one amazing things because regenerative practices, alternate grazing, um, she's just so passionate about getting good quality things into people's hands. And she's just a great person that I'm so happy I connected with, but it's just really cool to see I was like, I can't believe that they deliver to this many restaurants. And that's so cool because that's very high quality meat compared to, you know, the alternative. Yeah. And there's, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, Rosencrantz. Yeah. Rosencrantz, it works with grassland farms and they um, work with Finger Lakes farms, like FLX farms. And they, they, it's another collective where like we get an invoice that has like Rosencrantz and Bedient and like all these different types of, you know, people together. Um, You know, we get our like eggs locally and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like pretty much everything on our menu, especially in like the spring and summer you'll find. Um, But that's kind of why things do change with the seasons for our menu as well. Like people get so bummed, like, how come the mushrooms are gone? And we're like, like, well, you can't forage them this time of year. (laughs) We do have one um, like small farmer that's like growing them right now that we're utilizing too. Um, And there's even people like, it's been exciting to see the network grow. Like there's people like our age now that are like, you know, whether first generation or like second, third, fourth generation farmers. Um, There's a gal in the area who is like a Hobart and William Smith college graduate who is um, starts her own business called Maggie's Greens. And she grows microgreens in a greenhouse. And we're able to get things like that year round. Mm -hmm. Um, And we even have like our pastry chef, Megan Silverstein, um, lives on her own farm, Jupiter farm, and she pasture, um, raises ducks and chickens and, you know, grows everything from, you know, greens and tomatoes to potatoes and onions and garlic. Um, occasionally we're able to get some like of her delicacy, you know, duck eggs on the menu for like our special prefix and things like that. That's awesome. And I know in the summer you guys have a bunch of herbs growing outside. Do you actually use those or are those more decorative? 
Um, at the moment, they're more decorative. Um, we absolutely can and would love to use them. It's just a matter of having someone get out there and cut them every single day because you really, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb. We have a couple people on the team who do and are responsible for the plants. Um, but yeah, we like to have, we think it's just fun to incorporate, you know, things you would cook with in our decor as well, you know, and we've had things like lavender growing out there too before, which I so thought pretty. was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that would be like, that would ideally be the goal was we would have like a little herb garden out back. Um, but with the volume we do in the summer and the business that we do, it would get uh, pretty tough. Yeah, I think. Understandable. Understandable. Um, what about kind of the beverage side of things? I know you work with a lot of wineries and local breweries and things like that. And I know that you one over the summer when we were in, you're like, okay, I made, I checked off all of the wines that are biodynamic, they're organic <laughs> because I, I mean, I'm definitely a little bit more picky. I think than most people, I just, I can't tolerate things that are sprayed as much. So, um, for people who are maybe like me who want to get something that's not as heavily sprayed or, you know, what are, what are their options maybe look like for that? Yeah, um, what I think is great, um, much like our kitchen, our bar is also kind of like it's scratch. Mm -hmm. um, Brian's making like bitters and cordials and all our syrups like he's using like raw sugar to make your simple syrup and he's using ingredients like local honey. Um, you know, as far as cocktail service goes, he's making his own like winter tonic right now. So How do you it's do like that? Seasonal. Honestly, he's like a chemistry master, I swear, because <laughs> half of the stuff he does, I'm like, what? And obviously, it takes a lot of work mm -hmm. and different trials and things like that. But I think that's um, what makes it unique, is they're not just opening a bottle of something pre-made, like everything there is from scratch. And if it's not, like, for example, we're not distilling our own spirits Correct. or making our own wine, um, he works with some really great suppliers who do a lot of the vetting and research as well. Um, but the idea is he's working with real people. Um, transparency in their company is like a must. Like these people have a story. They're small farms. They're like small producers. And, you know, we do carry a couple mainstream big things because you really can't have a bar without that for, for certain people who come in. That's just what they want to drink. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea behind the program is that, you know, it, it's really it is selective. And, you know, these are high quality producers. Um, as far as, um, you know, wines go, um, let's see here. I put a couple down for us to chat about that you know, would be good choice. Um, what's fun about um, some of our red wine list, um, specifically from Europe, um, and then we'll narrow it down to France. We have a couple Gamay Noirs on the list. Um, and Gamay Noir is a grape you don't see so much here in our region in the Finger Lakes, but it's somewhat similar to Pinot Noir in that it's a thin-skinned um, red grape. People are doing everything from making like light, fruity, unoaked wines with it to um, more earthy, like natural style, almost like funky wines here and there. Um, but these like French producers here, we've got... Um, Marcel Lapierre and Jean Foyard are like two of the movers in France that like started the natural wine movement and like made it a thing. Um, so it's kind of cool that we've incorporated like natural leaning wines onto our list. Um, and there's so many on the list, but those are two um, that I would definitely recommend for reds. Um, to get more like local, we have the Flower Day Riesling from Herman J. Weimer, which is entirely yep, a biodynamic vineyard. And I was going to say, I know you've just gotten into that winery as well. Yeah. Um, when I went to the winery, they were like, I, I always ask, I'm like, do you guys spray your grapes? Because I probably won't buy a bottle if they don't. And they're like, oh, no, we haven't. 
our, our soil has been dynamic since like 2003 or 2005 or whatever. And they're like, we just don't label it because we want people to enjoy it because it's so good and not because of that. And I was like, okay, well, because of that, I'm going to be a lifetime purchaser <laughs> whenever we have parties and stuff. But um, yeah, they're, it's, it's just crazy. And I feel, I don't know, is this true that more natural or biodynamic wines, the alcohol content is less, or is that not necessarily true? Uh, that's not necessarily okay. true. It really just depends on the fermentation process. I would say it's probably um, common that that would happen because if you're not using pesticides on your grapes, you may have to pick them sooner. They're not going to have as long of a growing season where they're resisting the mold, the rot, the, you know, the bugs, things like that. Um, and a higher sugar content in a grape, if it's hanging on the vine longer, is typically, if you're going to ferment it all the way dry, is going to have a higher alcohol content. I see, I see. That makes so, sense. I think that's where, you know, your big California reds and, you know, your purple dye that come into play and things like that. And not all California wineries are putting, you know, purple dye in their wines. So don't get me wrong. But that is something um, that people should look the, out for. Yeah, just a lot of the big names, um, you know, big, I, I should say large scale producers, not big names, but large scale producers who are really you know, pumping this stuff out, you know, take those shortcuts so they can keep producing a wine that looks and tastes the same from year to year. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something you'll find on our list, like all the small producers on our wine list, you know, the wine's going to taste different from year to year. Sometimes we purchase it, sometimes we don't because things aren't always as, you know, cut and dry, a formula. Um, they really kind of have to go with what mother nature gives them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that being said, too, we've got like a couple um, grower champagnes on the list. All of our champagnes on the list are um, biodynamic and organic. So, you know, if you want to go in and splurge, oh, really? treat yourself to some champagne one night. Ooh, <laughs> um, okay, that's, that's like an exciting and that's my favorite thing to drink is sparkling wine, specifically champagne when I can get it. So, oh, okay. Um, Do you think you would ever you like add it. something like that to the menu, like biodynamic, like a star with a biodynamic for maybe consumers who... I felt so bad one time I was asking questions and the waitress was like, I don't know, let me go ask. And I think she went and asked um, the the bartender or whatever. And I was like, I felt bad. But I mean, I do feel like, especially because of platforms like this, people are becoming more educated and consumers. It's, I, I but it also at the same time might ruin the aesthetic. So I don't know. They could always just ask. Yeah. And I mean, I think we do have, I mean, Brian does a really good job of um, putting like a comprehensive um binder together with information about each wine. That's awesome. Um, you know, and we definitely do some wine training with the staff. Um, but that's awesome, Haley. We'll just continue to work on that. And if that's a, you know, a point that consumers want to see, I mean, I don't see why not. You know, he used to have at one point um a section that was called natural leaning wines. And oh, those cool. would be like so, you know, I'm not sure, you know, when you know, where he finds it appropriate to introduce and reintroduce it. I think it just depends on what he's carrying yeah. at the time. Um, and we definitely leave that up to him because he's certainly the expert. Um, but that's, yeah, that's something that I, I too, my mom's the same way. She actually like only orders dry farm wine and it like comes to her in a box and she knows that it's like biodynamic, organic. Like, well, that's why I asked know, about the alcohol content because my dad got a box of it and, um, and I had, no, I had some and I, you know, I was a, a small amount, but I mean, because I don't really drink it usually affects me and it really didn't. And I know that they do a little, they have a little bit less alcohol content, but like you said, it's probably because they're not fermentating as long. So I, it's a little bit less than maybe 12, 13%, you know, that maybe. Right. Yep. And I think that really, I mean, an earlier picked grape, you know, is going to typically have less sugar content and that will 
typically, unless they stop fermentation and leave the wine sweet, which is, you know, stuff we don't usually drink. Right. Um, although they would be natural sugars in the right. wine. So people who are using those types of practices aren't using chapitalization, which is adding the sugar back into the juice to get it to ferment more. So some, you know, some wineries will do that too, if they're looking for a certain alcohol content, mm. um, add sugar into the juice. Um, so, you know, it just depends on what practices they're using. Yeah. And transitioning to PME people who don't drink or don't want to drink because it is, well, when we were recording, this is dry January. And I think there's a lot of people that are really seeing how wine or alcohol might affect them. So if it affects you, but maybe you want to enjoy it once in a while for a special occasion, biodynamic, is it, it's considered biodynamic, not, I wanted to say regenerative. Um, organic, organic, I would okay. say, like in biodynamic. They're usually hand in hand. Um, and actually something I touched on a little bit with our chef and our bar director is that um, it's so expensive to get those certifications, yes. like certified organic. Yes. So a lot of, even though a lot of all, like the small farms and suppliers that we work with are not certified, they are using those best practices. Yep. Yep. So that's something to think about. And like you said, you know, ask your farmers when you're shopping at the farmer's markets. Um, and, you know, like you always say, like vote with your dollars because if everybody is like, oh, thank you, but I'm not going to buy that product because you use such and such. People may really, businesses really do want to explore the ways you know, to, to, to make those changes. I think so too. Um, so yeah. So even though they're not certified organic, which is such a bummer that it makes, it's like, like a hang up. It's so expensive, but these small people who are doing things the right way, sometimes just can't and that's afford okay. it. I understand it. There's a lot of hoops that people have to fall through. And some things that farmers tell me too, is there's some organic, uh, sprays that can be used that they're like, that's technically would be classified as organic, but they're, they don't even use that. So it's just really cool when you can establish a relationship like that with a farmer at the farmer's market or, you know, for, for you guys, obviously on so much of a bigger scale to be able to, that's so cool that so many of the farms that you source from, so you can't list on your menu organic, which is okay, but it is cool for you to be able to say, Hey, a lot of the food, if not most of the food is, is biodynamic. A lot of these are really good practices. They're not spraying. Probably another reason that I don't feel crappy whenever I eat there, but like you said, vote, voting with your dollar. And I, by no means, if I'm shopping at Wegmans, I'm looking for the organic label, but otherwise, if I can ask what practices are or ask, you know, you or the chef or whatever, Hey, do you know what the sourcing of this is? I don't care if it has an organic label or not. I just want to know about what the practices look like going into prepping yeah. the food. Definitely. And our, um, something else that really resonated with me, um, that our chef Max Spittler said was that it's not just about the center of the plate. Um, like at our restaurant, like, you know, we're using extra virgin olive oil in our dressings and, you know, things like that and sauces that he creates. He's using like local, you know, cream, local creamery butter. We're using local creameries, cheeses, um, you know, just things like that. I mean, obviously local vegetables mm -hmm. and produce. And um, so that's like, you know, you have like this awesome grass fed steak in the center of your plate, but the things around it are also something that you can eat eat, you know, feel good. Absolutely. About, so. Absolutely. One thing I was going to mention earlier, um, back to the beverage thing is if people are not even, they want to do something, they want to have a spirit, but they want it to be spirit free. I love that you guys have the mocktails. Now that's something that I noticed back in the fall. Um, do you, do you see a movement of people, um, whether they're sober, sober curious, or just maybe people who are just trying to not drink as much because they don't see how it feels, but they want to still be included in the social process of it. Is that kind of I think mocktails are becoming so popular. 
Definitely. And even like spirit free, um, like alcohols, people are getting really into that. I'm like, what's the point? Purposely, <laughs> like, I'm like, why don't you just drink? Um, but Brian does a really excellent job of creating like handcrafted house mocktails. Um, he has a couple that he puts on the menu, but if you came in one day and you were like, Hey, I'm really feeling these types of flavors. Can you whip something up for me? Um, he certainly could do that. And he's done that like numerous times, um, which I think is really great, but he's made like, again, making his own like bitters and like syrups and things that are going into, um, these mocktails. Um, and we even have people like get the mocktails and ask us to add alcohol just because they, like they, the love, they love it. Yeah. So I think that program will keep expanding. Um, I definitely think it's something people are interested in. Um, you know, our bar program is a bar program, of so course. you're never going to take up too much room on that menu. Um, but I do think it's something that people are, and he makes a lot of like low ABV drinks too, that you can like sip mm-hmm. on that aren't like you can have a couple of and enjoy your meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have like a couple of friends who are pregnant and when they come in, like I always make sure they get a mocktail and they're so excited to be like included. Yeah, because I think that's something that a lot of people have asked about. And I was actually talking this about with our mutual friend that we were talking about before, because she's kind of on this journey now and we were talking about it and you're like, we like, you know, you can still go out and have a drink and not get something alcoholic. You can still go out and be social. And I think that mocktails make it so much more inclusive, but I'm just the person that sometimes if I don't want to drink, I'll be like, can I just have a sparkling water with a lime? Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what like I OG do mocktail, I feel like, but it is fun when you can get yeah. maybe a little bit of color in there or, you know, something that makes it feel jazzy yeah. and fun. Yeah. And he serves right now, the mocktails on the menu are served over crushed ice too. So it's just like a really fun I don't know. It's like, yeah, the presentation's there. No, like if you walked in to the restaurant and saw somebody drinking that, you wouldn't know. I mean, not that it it matters. I don't know why. People people shouldn't worry about what other people are thinking, you know, but it's true when you're in that social circle. Um, And yeah, I feel that too. Like being in the industry, like there's, you know, a time where people are, you know, drinking this and the other thing. It's like amazing that we have all those options to make people, you know, feel good about it. Absolutely. So what's our, what's my, what was my question? Okay. What were your biggest tips for people who are looking to try to eat locally, whether at home or find a restaurant like yours at Kendred Fair? I mean, obviously if you are local to the Syracuse, Rochester area, plan a date night and come to Kendred Fair and tell them you listen to this podcast because you need to go there. But if you say you live across the country and we're probably not going to see with the Finger Lakes unless you come to maybe one of my health retreats or something. What's something that people can do to one, make their own transition to maybe farm to table and two, how, what are things that are important to look at for like on a marketing purpose from a men, uh, for a farm to table? What are, what are some things that people might want to look for? So with this, as far as finding a restaurant goes, um, I think like a little research goes a long way and a lot of it can be told like when you're looking at the menu. Mm -hmm. I think if people are listing, you know, the names of the farms, the local creameries, um, if they have any links on their website for us, we have a link to all of our partners and you can see the different farms that we work with and, you know, like Maggie's microgreens and, you know, grassland farms and things like that. Some of the local creameries for the cheese. And then you really kind of dive deep into that as well. You're like, click on the creameries website and you see like how they're, you know, you know, raising the animals that they're using to create their products or where they're sourcing their cream from and things like that. Um, So that's, I think, you know, looking at the menu, I think most farm to table restaurants really want to showcase 
you know, the partners they work Mm -hmm. with and where they're getting their ingredients from. So I think that's like a really good start. Um, And that's definitely what we try to do. Like, you know, we list like beef on the menu and we all know it's coming from, you know, so-and-so we're like, why don't we just put that on the menu? So people don't have to ask, you know, when, when appropriate, where there's room and, you know, you think about formatting, you get into a whole nother um, discussion, but that's definitely something we want to like highlight and showcase. Um, And then I would say, um, especially where we live, it's easy. And I mean, I guess anywhere, um, if you want to incorporate like farm to table seasonal eating, you really just have to look at what's Mm -hmm. available. Um, Go to your local farmers markets, um, your local markets and stores, and like typically the smaller stores that are working directly with like cut out the middleman, Mm -hmm. I always say. Um, And that's what's fun about Kindred Fair is, you know, the farmer is coming in, you know, in their boots and their shirt, like fresh out of the field, like giving us like ingredients that were just picked or, you know, like it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty unique circumstance. And what's fun is you get to know the people who are raising your food or, you know, growing your food too. And then, you know, there's just kind of an extra level of like camaraderie that's there. Like we love when they want to come to the restaurant and see what we've done with their product um, and hopefully Mm -hmm. enjoy it. Um, But yeah, and I think like freezing and canning are Mm -hmm. really good tips as well. Um, I know like our pastry chef is like freezing, you know, different local berry, you know, berries when we get them in season and making like preserves Mm -hmm. and, you know, or freezing them and then just making like a sauce. That's a great accompaniment to a dessert or is able to, you know, take those, you know, frozen whatever out of the freezer and create like a a dish Mm -hmm. with them. Um, So that's like really I think something that's quite fun. I know we well. need to get back into canning. That's a, like something our, my great my grandparents and great grandparents did. My dad actually made me pickled garlic scapes. I actually probably can eat them now because when Yum. he gave them to me, obviously I had to let them ferment longer. But and then we just we love like good dill pickles. So we're like we are totally making those next year. I've made my own sauerkraut. I mean, there's so many easy things you can do. And we say this every year. We're like we're going to stock up, getting more onions, more peppers, freezing them, and we always just end up blowing through them and forgetting mm-hmm. to freeze them but we yeah. do that a lot with berries and stuff like that to make sure because mm-hmm. I mean there was a time that when I first started seasonal eating I think we went the whole winter without any fruit and I was like I really need some fruit in my life so you right. know it's we try to compromise and do like frozen Absolutely. and stuff like that but I, I think that that's so cool having just the whole I mean the whole operation I mean I've got, been going there for years and I didn't I learned so much about your practice. And I feel like you guys have been really good about you're very transparent. You can see where all the food is coming from on the website. You sometimes you even post like when farmers, I think I remember this cute little old man, he was standing next to the truck that was outside in the fall. I think he was a farmer or he, either that, or he was a, 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 a daily goer. Like, yeah, a, I think, like <laughs> you know, uh, Regis, he's one of our regular customers. He gets takeout um pretty oh much every God. night from us. Yeah, he's the he's best. So he's such a good community partner so too. Cute. Oh my god, that was he was adorable. But anyways, is there anything that you made you wanted to make sure that we talked about that we didn't? We covered everything. We covered food, bev, sourcing, eating farm to table, looking for good farm to tables, um, ingredient sourcing around main ingredients. Um, I guess to just like, you know, to continue on about, you know, doing your research with a restaurant, um, email that like contact information, like there's always like a contact at whatever. I mean, we check that every single day. Susie, our owner is so good about getting back to people. We have people ask us questions about like the menu and like, 
I mean, we're not going to lie to you whether you want to come and eat it or not. Like, like you said, transparency is really important um, in this industry. I think, you know, when people are being conscious about what they're eating. So we like dig deeper into things. Um, and like our restaurant, we actually have like an allergen binder too, where we write down like the ingredients of like every sauce and this and that. And it's something that the servers are already really well versed in. Like we have the best team. Like they want, like when you come into Kindred Fair, like no matter your dietary restrictions, like we want to make sure that, you know, you feel comfortable eating with us, that you're having a good time, that like our chef has like really like made custom dishes for people who are like I'm allergic to this restricted to that like I really have a problem with this and he'll like make you something that's not just like oh well then you can have like unbuttered vegetables and you know white rice like he'll like make you something that actually tastes good um and we actually have a vegan menu to that um for all our vegans that may be listening I'm like definitely lean more the carnivore diet myself um or you know or somewhere in between but um, we do have an awesome vegan menu that we are continuing to like expand and like make dishes that are, you know, aren't just mm-hmm. tofu and whatever. Like we have an awesome tofu rice bowl. Everybody loves that, but you know, so it's like th- things like that. I just think like reaching out and asking, um, if you're at a good restaurant that really cares about, you know, what they're doing, the, they'll want to get back to you and, and, and be open with you about what's going on. You know, same thing with the wineries. I and, agree. You know, and I think people's biggest thing with eating healthy is they're like, oh, it's more expensive. I'm telling you, like we've come to Kindred Fair before stuffed to the brim and we've paid no more than we'd pay to go anywhere else. Like it doesn't have to be an arm and a leg to eat farm. I actually save a bunch of money shopping with local farms compared to shopping at Wegmans or I mean, we got a Whole Foods coming to Rochester, which is great. And that'll be fun to like get fun things Mm -hmm. once in a while. But you save a lot of money when you said you cut out the middleman. And it's nice when you can support a local restaurant who's supporting local farmers and supporting local businesses. And it just, everybody wins. Yeah. And that was, you know, I think really the goal, um, like our, our motto is to share is to love. Um, and you know, come as you are, like it's, it's really an open place, um, for, you know, you can, we get people coming out of the vineyards, out of the fields in their muddy boots that come in or people all dressed up for date night, um, and everything in between, you know, families, um, you know, people, we do a lot of takeout, which is, I think, really great for a lot of people who are mm-hmm. on the go and, you know, swinging home from, you know, work and to things like that. have a cleaner, um, better option than something else. I mean, that's a great option. I know we took advantage of that during, during COVID, but there is just nothing that beats actually going in. I think the ambiance and everything in general is just, I think what makes it, but I mean, still being able to take out is amazing. Yeah. I think it's funny you say that too, because people, you know, if you've never been to Kindred Fair, it's in Geneva, it's in like a little plaza off one of like the main streets, five and 20. Um, and you kind of are like, it kind of looks like it's in like a little strip. Yes. Mall. I know you would never, you even know, think. <laughs> but you know, once you walk in, yeah. Once you walked in, you're like transformed, you know, into like you're transported kind of into like this rustic, like modern rustic feel. We've got like brick everywhere. Um, all the wood in the restaurant is actually like reca- reclaimed wood, like from snow so fences cool. in the Midwest. So there's just like a lot of those little like touches where like, even like the place was built out of stuff that came off of that's a farm. Cool. <laughs> you know? so it's, that's pretty awesome. I love, too, it. So. I love it. Well, okay. Where can they, find you where can they find kindred fair um tell us all the things 
um, kindredfair.com. That's K-I-N-D-R-E-D-F-A-R-E, like kindred spirit and fair, like the food fair. So kindredfair.com. And then our handle for Facebook and Instagram is just at kindredfair. Um, You can reach me just Ashley at kindredfair.com as well if you wanted to email me. Um, But yeah, we're we're at 512 Hamilton Street right here in Geneva, New York, um, right at the top of Seneca Lake. Um, Come and visit us. Uh, Reservations are highly recommended every night of the week. We really do tend to get busy, especially in the summer and spring seasons um, into the fall as well. Um, So we'd love to know you're coming so that we're ready for you and we make sure we save a seat for you. Um, yeah, and we've got like um, much like you did on New Year's Eve, our um, mm-hmm. prefix menu, which is like three courses. We do that for Valentine's Day as well. So, you know, like singles, groups, um, you know, couples all welcome. Um, so that's kind of a fun. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but that's like a fun thing we do on New Year's Eve and um Valentine's Day just twice a year is just kind of like this baller menu that our so chef good. does. This will, is this um, going to either really do, scared. I don't know, it's going to be around Valentine's Day. So maybe they'll be able to catch up. But if not, they could just stop in for like a Monday prefix or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Every Monday we do industry night, which is like a three course prefix. There's no corkage fee on Monday nights, too, if you wanted to bring like your own, you know, favorite bottle of wine to share. Um, but we do that that menu in addition to our full dinner menu on Mondays. So you kind of got extra options for for Monday nights Love there it. with us. Love it. Well, I cannot wait to come back in. It's been like a month. So it's coming around that time. <laughs> Haley, when I first heard you, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. And when I first heard you mention Kindred Fair, I was like, oh my gosh, the podcast I listened to, she comes to our restaurant. So I was flattered and I liked, you know, put it in your reservation notes so that people would know, like, we're one of the few, like, times she goes oh. out to eat. So make sure she has a good time. Because <laughs> we're like, we're honored to make your list. Oh my God, you this know, is the top place. place. I tell people this all the time, like, we are like being in Rochester, like I said, we have so many different restaurants and like, I mean, there's so many unique eateries too, that are so great. But I mean, to this day, this is my favorite restaurant probably that I've ever been to. And that's saying, I mean, we don't eat out all the time, but when we do it, we're going to make it worth our time. So that's great. Well, I'm so glad. Absolutely. And and thank you so much for just sharing. I mean, I I just, people these days, I feel like really want transparency. They want to know the food that they're eating, whether it's in their home or at eating out or, and so I, I just thank you for coming on, sharing all this stuff, making a, a great list of stuff with the chef and, you know, taking the time that you guys had obviously probably before a busy prefix night to kind of prepare for all this stuff. So I just really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I was happy I to do it. it. Awesome. Well, we'll see you soon.